Welcome to Killer Casting. It is me, Lisa Z. I'm here with my sexy beast, who I haven't seen one of these these bajigaloops in a really long time. Hey, Bri Bri, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? Oh, man, I got stories. <laughs> I've got stories. Oy, oy, oy. But we're not going to talk about that now. Hey, my wonder from down under, Dean, how you doing? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm, uh, it's been, I think we're all of us, or maybe not Brian, but I know you and I have certainly had a heck of a week last week uh, for all sorts of non-pod reasons. I think I had the most extreme three days of work that I've had in the last 20 years and uh, I'm still <laughs> dealing with that and I, I had a rushed entry into the pod today. I was on a call with a client until the last minute so I'm feeling a little bit rushed and late to the party but your dulcet tones, Lisa, are comforting me <laughs> by, the, by the minute. Are they? Okay. Yes, that's it. Um, well, folks, listen, we just wanted to jump on here and talk about, okay, let me back up. So around two years ago, I decided to finally cut the cord right? Because I was paying just tremendous money for cable and for Netflix and Amazon and blah, 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 blah. And I realized that my kids never watch live TV ever. Everything they watch is on Hulu or whatever, whatever. And uh, I found that I was watching one platform more than anything else. And that was Hulu. And no, Hulu is not a sponsor, although if they'd like to be, that would be wonderful. But uh, they're not a sponsor. But there is some fantastic programming on Hulu. And so I thought we could all jump on and just talk about it. What's the best thing that we've been watching recently? And the great thing about Hulu is that it's not so overwhelmingly huge amount of content that you get lost in it. There's just enough that if you turn it on for a month, you can get through all the great stuff where with Netflix, you'll just like be drowning in content, you know, which is great and Amazon. But Hulu is kind of a just right now, I'm just really into the shows that are on right now. And I just want to talk about a few of them. What about you, Bri? You watch Hulu? I do. I have Hulu. I've got, actually, I've got the, uh, I bought the non-commercial package, you know, Hulu, Disney Plus, and ESPN Plus. It just made sense. I actually got rid of Netflix because I just wasn't watching it. So I do have Hulu. And there have been some, I think they've bolstered their offerings in terms of movies coming to streaming. That's becoming populated. I think the best decision they've made is partnering. You know, I'm a champion of FX. The partnering that they've done with FX is phenomenal, that it's all right there. And not to blow smoke, uh, I did watch the pilot for Reservation Dogs, and I can't believe that it's not on regular FX. Isn't it great? It's, it's so it really good. is. And, and I, I told you this when we spoke a few weeks ago. This is the most perfect Kirk Fox 
role <laughs> in the history of Kirk Fox roles. Yeah. He's so good. And and the it's kids so are great. Funny. I mean, the whole the whole yeah. premise is just really original and really fresh. And it really is, it's so on brand for FX. And so I'm just curious. I hope that they take it to FX proper. If not, they'll just have to work a little harder maybe to like develop an audience. But it's a great show. I think it's getting an audience. I mean, it got renewed right away. And I think my gut, I don't know. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but I feel like because it's FX on Hulu that there's probably a lot more freedom for Sterling Harjo, who's the the creator and showrunner, to kind of just do what he wants to do and not have a lot of oversight. I mean, for those of you who I, I should probably catch everybody up. So I was very just thrilled to be invited to be on the casting team that did the pilot for Reservation Dogs. It was just an amazing experience. It was, a, I, I may got to drive all around the state of Oklahoma. <laughs> where the show is set searching for Native American teenagers or young adults to play uh, these four series regular roles. And I got to drive around with uh, the wonderful Angelique Midthunder, who was the lead casting person on this. And, and then I also, Sterling was with us and we just had these huge open calls. And it was just such a moving experience because when an actor comes to LA, they just come and they leave, they drive in, they leave. It's kind of an, an almost an anonymous experience. But in Oklahoma, when, you know, a Native American actor comes, he or she brings their whole family. <laughs> you know, they bring the grandma and the cousins and the, it's a really big deal. And so you get to meet the whole family and you take a lot more time and it's a big deal for them to get to where we were auditioning. Not everybody has three cars at their disposal at all times. You know, I mean, it was just a really great experience. But we also did a huge search through the US and in Canada. So we were having just hundreds of self-tapes to sift through and try to figure out the best combinations and who to call back to test and everything like that. Well, I, I will say everything on television is obviously elevated. It is a dramatization of actual life. But this show feels to me very authentic in where it lives. The surroundings are just as you would imagine. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they don't try to pretty anything up. So it feels like a very kind of authentic thumbnail of of living in that culture, living in that yeah. area. I can't remember, I think somebody we talked to at one point, when we talk about telling diverse stories or getting somebody diverse into a role, eight times out of 10, the default is African-American, ignoring yeah. Hispanic mm -hmm. or sure. Middle Eastern. And so for me, like seeing this story, I mean, I think that it's really, really dynamic. I really have enjoyed it. I need to jump back in. I have, the, again, the Laverne and Shirley, it rears its ugly head <laughs> in the weirdest ways. You know what I mean? It didn't in that one yeah. episode of Mr. In Between, but for the same reason that I can't watch Atlanta, or it's hard for me to watch Atlanta, it's hard for me to watch Reservation Dogs because I'm aware that something bad may happen. And <laughs> right, so that tension, right. you know what I mean, is so intense. I just want to t finish talking about Res Dogs. The other thing is, so the kid who plays Bear is Canadian. He's from Canada. And so is Paulina, who plays Willie Jack. Paulina actually auditioned for the lead role of Alora, And we just loved her read, but it just... 
and we kept including her in the pool, but it, we knew it wasn't quite right. And then Sterling was like, well, why doesn't she read for one of the boy worlds? And it just was fantastic. I mean, that was such a great decision. And it's so great that he wasn't just gripping on to what he had originally written, that he was open to that. And I think it's just worked out fantastic. But even all the a lot of the kids that we read in Oklahoma who didn't make it as a series regular, they're populated through the little teeny tiny roles and, and they're just fantastic. Those two twins. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah, I know. I think they're friends of Sterling's. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that they're friends. But yeah, Lane Factor, who plays Cheese, we found him just, he'd never done anything. He just came in. He was so wonderfully awkward and shy. And it, it feels like to fantastic. me, it feels like to me, like the two lead kids are trained, like they've done some things, yeah. like they're more polished. Yeah. Yeah. And that the other two are off the street, which gives it a really great flavor, the dynamic between all four of them. Yeah, Devery is definitely much more savvy. She's done way more. But anyway, it just they just work really, really well. And, and again, Kirk, he sent in a self-tape and we read, I read a ton of people live in LA, like some really kind of big name people came in to read for his role. And he and uh, Marty Hardropple are just hilarious. But anyway. Are you the eye doctor? I'm the everything doctor. Toes, backs, assholes. Hey, I remember you. I've seen you around a lot. What is it this time? Ah, uh, I got into a fight. Busted my nose. Can you not tell my mom? Ah, oh. your mom. Read her, right? She's been working with us for about a year. She's very delightful to have around. Mm -hmm. So, um, what does your, sorry, father say about your nose? Um, well, my dad's really not here that often, so. Ah. Uh -huh. Is your mom remarried? Well, why? Just bedside matter. Relax, Bear. Everything's good. So, you got beat up. Actually, I got jumped. It's because I'm the leader of a gang. Sort of the leader. You know, big responsibilities. Yeah. Wait till you get older. Life gets much harder. Look at me. You think I like having this job? You think I wanted to be out here this long? Ten fucking years. I don't have a family. I got nothing. Don't get me wrong. I love the Native American people. Very sweet, majestic, very special. I'm trying to grow this out. I'm sick of it. I just want to go back from where I'm from. China? No, you shit. I grew up in San Diego. Okay, so please, I hope everybody is watching Reservation Dogs. It's just a really special, special show. Dean? As somebody from outside of the US watching it, I would describe it this way. I don't mean this in any way to be insulting, but it it doesn't look like an American, it doesn't feel like an American show at all. <laughs> and it does remind me, I can really feel Tycho's uh, sense in this because it's very much like his movie, uh, say, Hunt for the Wilder People that he did with mm. Sam Neill, and it had a brilliant piece of casting. Have you guys seen that? Mm -mm, it's got no. a brilliant casting of this 10-year-old, maybe 11-year-old native Maori kid, and you can see that these would go right together next to each other on the shelf. Mm. And just, yeah. as That kid ended up getting cast in Deadpool 2. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah, right. he's great. Yeah, he's fantastic. He's really great. It's just got that gentle, takes its time, doesn't care, 
it meanders wonderfully and the performances are really offbeat and and wonderful. So I'm loving it. I'm still catching up. I think I'm only up to episode four or so, something like that, but it's lovely. Yeah, it's really gentle. And even in spite of the last one I watched, the kid got beat up, but nonetheless, it does have a gentle nature to it. So I love it. Good work. Good work, Lise. Thank you. We worked hard on that. We all did. We all worked really hard. So the biggest reason to get Hulu, uh, if you're an actor, is to watch The Handmaid's Tale because you will get an education in how to act and how to sustain an incredibly excruciating high amount of emotion through several seasons. But I don't think you guys are watching Handmaid's Tale, right? No, Laverne and Shirley makes it hard. No, the the, the wife's been loving it and I love Elizabeth Moss. I'd watch her in anything, but I just, I'm just overwhelmed with time. I just haven't gotten into it. I'm so far past like the first season, like mm-hmm. to catch. I've got Mad Men on a list somewhere, Breaking <laughs> right. Bad. I'm never going to watch those shows because it's just like Dean said, it just feels overwhelming to take it all in. But that's kind of what I love to do. I mean, Dean knows that I love to binge. And right now I'm watching Nine Perfect Strangers on Hulu and I'm watching Why the Last Man and their weekly drops. And it's driving me crazy (laughs) because I want it all. I want it all and I want it now. Now. I don't want to (laughs) wait. But yeah, I want to talk about, you probably haven't watched it, but I want to talk about this show that's called Why the Last Man. So it's the, the letter Capital Y. No, I've seen the advertisements for it. Right. I'm just in case somebody didn't know what I was talking about. Um, This, the premise of this show is, is really interesting. It's based on a DC comic and it had quite a road to becoming produced. It had went through different showrunners, but now it's a female showrunner, mostly I think female directors, writers, and it's about, you know, a world where all of us, and this isn't a spoiler because you you know about it in the, I mean, the, the title says it, we're in a world where every mammal with a Y chromosome just drops dead in a horrible, bloody mush. And it's a, it's a huge tragedy. So women are losing their sons, their husbands, their fathers, their brothers, every male dog, every male, <laughs> everything dies. And it's just this amazing kind of thought experiment because we've certainly seen post-apocalyptic shows before where you know a portion of the population is wiped out and you have to figure out how to go on even in children of men or in handmaid's tale where you have the human race can't procreate for some reason women aren't getting pregnant nobody's able to have kids but i've never really had this sort of thought process of what would be it literally be like if there were no men on the planet and it's just so interesting how these characters are thrust into the situation who becomes the president and how do you figure out who's in charge? And then you have some women who are just, they can't imagine a world without men. And you see other women are like, what the fuck, whatever they can do, we can do. We just have to get our shit together. So it's just a very interesting, for me, that's the most interesting part of the series so far. There is of course, one last man remaining. The guy who's cast is a, fantastic actor. I really like him a lot, but his story is sort of least interesting to me, like what he's going through. And he's got a pet capuchin monkey, which I never have to see that again. I mean, we got enough of that with Ross on Friends. The whole monkey thing, I I don't know why it just rubs me the wrong way. I know it's from the original comic. But anyway, I really strongly, I don't think, uh, Brian, you're not going to like this because it's very bloody. I mean, it's got a lot of gore, but uh, I think the premise is super exciting. The way they tell the story is really exciting. I think I've got it on my list. It's funny that you mentioned gore. 
Because you're absolutely right. Like I have a reaction to it. Okay, so the main thing that I've been watching the last few days, like it's the kind of series where I watched it a year ago, like one or two episodes of the first season and then just kind of ignored it. And then just bedtime, kind of, well, I'll watch this. And then binge the two seasons that there there were. It's a, a animated series, Solar Opposites. Ooh, I've heard good things about this. Tell us about it. Justin Roiland is the creative. Uh, he's behind Rick and Morty. Him and Mike McMahon are co-creators of this sci-fi cartoon. Justin Roiland, what he does with Rick and Morty, what he's doing with Solar Opposites, it's really absurd, but at the same time, they tell really dramatic and heart-wrenching stories at the same time within an episode that is ostensibly just absurd and comic. They'll get you in a really odd way, and they're very meta. And I think that's a function of working with Dan Harmon. I've seen Justin Roiland pop up in the Sarah Silverman program. He popped up in Community. You know, Dan Harmon was a co-creator of, of Sarah Silverman program. Dan Harmon is a co-creator of Rick and Morty. And with Dan, there's always this real focus on the meta of entertainment, of television, the whole thing. Every Rick and Morty episode is a variation on a movie title with Rick and Morty substituted in for words. It's really complex and it's, it's exceptional. And Solar Opposites is very different from Rick and Morty, but they use a lot of the same tropes. Referencing Hulu, right? In the same way that Letterman would reference NBC as being cheap bastards. And really tongue-in-cheek. And I think, to your point, like Reservation Dogs, by being exclusively on Hulu, they have a lot of freedom to do whatever the F they want. I think the same is true of Solar Opposites. It is absolutely one of the smartest but also goriest that's a hallmark of rick and morty and solar opposites there's a lot of animated gore that is troubling for me to have to watch i mean they can tell all kinds of stories that live action just really can't not as effectively unless you've got a million dollar cgi budget yeah. We'll talk about killer cast. You got Thomas Middleditch, who's oh. wonderful. And then their guest cast, Miguel Sandoval, Tiffany Haddish, Christina Hendricks, Sterling K. Brown, Alfred Molina. I mean, that's pretty great. That's what I'm saying. And same is true of Rick and Morty. A lot of the big names of voiceover work too, Nolan North, Tom Kenny does a lot of work with them. Maurice LaMarche, those kind of standard bearers in the animated uh -huh. world, they get them as well. It's a really easy binge. It's right. eight episodes right. per season. Their next season three drops at the top of 2022. So I, it's well worth it. You made me just think of another animated show that's on Hulu too that the boys and I watched. But boy, it's rough. It's very violent. There's some explaining I had to do, but it's so funny. It's Patton Oswalt as the lead and it's Marvel's MODOK where he plays kind of this supervillain, uh, this animated supervillain. It's like, it's not stop action, but it kind of has that claymation sort of quality to it. It's very funny, very dark, but very, very funny. All right, Dini, what's what's on your, your list? Uh, the best thing I've seen on Hulu. What's a Hulu? <laughs> what's a Hulu? <laughs> What's a Hulu? We don't have Hulu down here. There's no Hulu you don't? in No, there's no Hulu in Oz. We have some other weird <gasps> streaming things that you haven't heard of. 
We've got one, a platform called Binge, so binge.com.au. They broker content from all over. So we might have an HBO show on there or it might be something or whatever. We've got Stan, which is owned by one mm-hmm. of the existing I've media. Heard of that. Yeah. Yes. And of course, we've got Netflix as well. So my contributions are coming from a variety of sources. So The one that I'm loving at the moment and I'm just reveling in it and now that I'm done with this craziness of work and so on, I'll be able to finish it off, is a brilliant British series called Vigil. And this is one of those shows that the Brits just do so well. It's crime drama and in the tradition of Helen Mirren in Prime Suspect and Gillian Anderson, Mm -hmm. even though she's American, but in The Fall, the British series The Fall, that it was just so good. The Brits do that underplayed crime drama so well. And what is remarkable about the examples I just gave and the one that I'm watching now is that they write brilliant female characters, really Mm. strong, but sometimes wounded or damaged in some way that they're coping with something, you know, whether it's alcohol or... I'll set the scene uh, without giving anything away because this all happens in the first 10 minutes. The British nuclear-powered submarine is trundling along and accidentally snags the net of a trawler and pulls it backwards and sinks it and kills everybody on it. They know they've done it, but they want to cover it up. And one of the crew sort of gets all up in the face with the captain and says, hey, you know, this is crazy. We're going to do something. Rah, rah, rah. And he gets sent to the brig and the next day he's found dead, apparently by ingesting heroin. On a nuclear submarine. But because it happened in British waters, it's a British crime investigated by British police. So a woman who apparently has a massive pedigree in the UK, but I've never seen her in anything else, and her name is Saran, S-U-R, and then the word Anne, Saran. Saran Jones. She's Saran, been on, Saran Jones. Yeah, she's been on lots mm-hmm. of stuff in her IMDb. She's been working like crazy forever. So mm-hmm. she plays DCI Amy Silver, who's sent onto the boat to work out what's gone wrong. Co-starring alongside of her is... Rose Leslie. Rose Leslie, famous from Game of Thrones as uh, Ygritte, the uh, girlfriend of Jon Snow, and she plays uh, D.S. Kirsten Longholm, I think it is. And in the first 10 minutes, they just set everything up so well. You get a hint that Amy's uh, the main lead. Amy's husband is dead or gone. There's something about a child, and as she's sent onto the submarine, she tells her assistant... Kristen to don't forget to feed the cat and do this and do that. So she's now in a romantic relationship with her, what is it? Not superior. Don't spoil it. Yeah, no, 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 no. This is in the first, it's in the first 10 minutes, right? And as she gets on the submarine, she's flashing back to being trapped in a car filling with water. So she's got these issues and she's got to deal with all that. And then, of course, the misogyny baked in by the sailors on the boat and they don't want her there and she's not one of them and so on. It's brilliant. It's really, really good. So I'm loving, I'm loving that. Saran Jones, I absolutely love. HBO had a series called Gentleman Jack. Oh, that's who she is. Got it, got it, yeah. She did the series uh, Scott and Uh Bailey, right, which is kind of the British version of, of Cagney and Lacey. And, and and she is in one of by far one of the best uh, Doctor Who episodes ever written. The Doctor's Wife. Yep, season six, episode four. She takes on the energy of the TARDIS. Neil Gaiman wrote it, and she's a on this on this wild planet, right? This orphan planet, or whatever. She's a a body that's dying, and the TARDIS possesses her and. The woman gives the TARDIS voice with the doctor. And it's just it's just a beautiful, beautiful story. And she's fantastic. And t- to your point, 
Dean, um, I think the Brits have absolutely cornered the market on fucked up damaged cops. Okay, you got Luther. Mm-hmm. Prime suspect. You got you got Jane Tennyson. Yeah. Prime suspect, I was just thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got River that's on Netflix. Oh, it's so good. And again, they're all like very quiet, very still in their procedurals, which I really appreciate. Luther's kind of the most outlandish of all of them. I still love The him. other uh, actor in this that's been cast is just spot on, and uh, he's just brilliant. He's a guy called Gary Lewis. He's a Scottish actor, and you would know him probably best as the father of Billy Elliot. He's got this thick Scottish brogue, and he plays her boss, uh, DSU Detective Superintendent Colin Robertson, and they're working through, as things unfold, and I'm not going to say any more about it, I've only watched three episodes, and yet things keep unfolding, and, and the plot keeps developing, and you're learning more of the backstory of the characters and what actually happened to her in the car filling with water and so on. And so it's just terrific. And the cast is great and the writing is off the charts and it's just really well done. So go out and find that wherever you can. I don't think it's available to us right now. I'm I looking, suspect it's probably um, on the BBC's iView. So you might be able to get okay. it online somewhere. So I'll put it in the show notes. I'll find out how you can watch it in the US and get that to you. Okay, cool. Oh, that's a good one, Dean. I'm going to watch that for sure. And all of our crimeys who tune in, they're going to yeah. love that. I'll yeah, post it on Real Crime Profile. But back to Hulu. <laughs> I think you guys are all watching this, but I'm not sure. Uh, what we do in the shadows? Yes? Yeah. Oh, my God. I have to just uh, extol the virtues of that show. It was originally cast by the great Allison Jones, but then the run of the series is cast by a woman named Gail Keller, who I worked for briefly, and she's just got such a brilliant eye for comedy. So she, you know, didn't put together the series regulars, but all of the great guest cast who are so hilarious. It's just great. So do you want to give it like a, a thumbnail of what, what we do in the shadows is about? Cause it took me a while to actually watch it. I didn't know what it was, but once I got into it, I just love binging it. Did you watch the movie? No, no, I didn't. The movie is documentary style kind of, I mean, it is kind of a, an office. Yeah. It's like the office meets Bram Stoker's Dracula or something like right. that. <laughs> but it's basically following a bunch of, the movie is, following a bunch of vampires who lived together for centuries in New Zealand. And it goes through all the trials and tribulations of these different personalities and their backgrounds and trying to feed and living in a modern 21st century world. And it's very, very funny, like dealing with werewolves who are, there's this animosity towards the group, but it's high hilarity and it's just very much in that documentary it's Jemaine, style. It's Jemaine Clement and Taika Waititi's. Yeah, right. And so the show to its credit, captures the energy of the movie. It's the same style, but they've moved it to Staten Island and they've added a new kind of character, which is genius. And that's the energy vampire, which I think is probably the single best idea that they've, that they added into the world, I guess. And that's played by, and I never know how to pronounce his name. Mark Prox. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He does this little 15-minute series that I absolutely love called Dreamcore LLC. It's a Adult mm-hmm. Swim show that I've talked about before. He's in that as a series And he was regular. on The Office, actually. He was on The Office for, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was in The Office, yeah. He played a, uh, Nate yeah. in The Warehouse. I think that the documentary style is playing itself out. At least I hope so. But I will say, like, what they're doing, the comedy, like, the characters, the scenarios are fantastic. And the guest stars they get are just really 
phenomenal too. We have decided to make you a fully fledged member of the team. You're gonna make me a vampire? There's no, no chance. <laughs> Today is our first day as leaders of the Vampiric Council. Is there not a throne for all of us? <laughs> no! Do you have to step on it? I'm on. I'm on. Just, what is happening? Am I flying? Bazinga! In the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, oh. I don't have to talk to modern women 700 years ago. I just say, hey, you, get on the back of John. John was my horse. That was called dating. Disco, disco, partisan. Yeah. Hey. Hi, werewolves. <laughs> Car. We get it. You're a vampire killer with the stakes and the reflexes and all that. Great job. Yay. Yeah, so it's these three, Matt Berry, Kayvon Novak, and Natasha Dimitru play these old-timey vampires that, you know, are all in the old Elizabethan garb or wherever they're from garb, medieval garb. And then they have this familiar, this little assistant who is genius, played by Harvey Guillen. And he is so funny. And I, I don't mind the breaking the fourth wall documentary style, whatever it is, because the takes that he has to the camera as these three dummies try to deal with the modern world and their timing is brilliant. The absurdities, if they take the absurdity so seriously, it's just it's genius. So if you haven't checked that out yet. The accent work, too, for me is half of the laps. Kayvon and Natasha, their particular accent. I mean, Matt Berry, is, that is his accent, right? It's very- Pompous British. The British kind of standard pompous, standard British. But those two, especially especially Kayvon, the way he says certain words with this really thick accent, what he does with his mouth, it's just, yes. it's childlike in a way. Yes. Like how he says things that is, it's just fantastic. Yeah. I really love him. Yes. yes. And he played, if you blink, <laughs> what's the, oh, Cruella, the movie Cruella. Uh -huh. uh, he played Emma Thompson, the bad lady, played her lawyer Okay. in the movie. And if you blink, you'll miss him. He doesn't have many lines, but I think he's being set up to be the male lead in 101 Dalmatians, which I think will be a next step for that story progression, right? So the reporter the African-American reporter and that lawyer are the ones that become a couple and get together in the original source material. I watched the scene where they were trying to get into the club, but they had to be invited in and they're, <laughs> they're <laughs> trying to angle to get invited into the club. It was just hilarious. But like the rest of the everything I'm watching at the moment, I'm sort of, I haven't finished, I haven't managed to binge everything. So uh, that one's an in-progress one for me. What else am I looking at? Ah, again, only two episodes into The White Lotus, which is not uh, on Hulu, but it's on oh, HBO yeah, for yeah. you guys, but it's on binge down here. And in the opposite of what happens to Eric Banner, where he's pissed off that he always has to do an accent and he's never allowed to be an Aussie on in the movies that he's in, in this one it's um, the Aussie Murray Bartlett, who I think has been living in New York for about 10 years, 
and he plays the, the sort of manager of this resort where a bunch of people turn up and it's, it's set over a week of their stay and it's got Connie Britton and Steve Zahn and a bunch of others and it looks like it's, conditions are going to slowly degrade over the period of the week. So I'm enjoying that even though I'm only a few eps into that. Have you guys seen it? I did see it and it's so funny because hard for me to say. It's cast just fantastically. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. But watching it, I hated oh, it. Oh, really? But now when I think of it now, I really appreciate it more now that it's over. Because as, I'm not going to spoil anything, but as you know, in the first episode, there's something that you know is going to happen later on. It's a flash forward and then a flashback. So the entire series, you're waiting for this shoe to drop. And so you're kind of preoccupied every episode, like, who is it going to be? Without that, there's kind of no momentum for me to the story when I was watching it. But, the, you know, the characters were fantastic. It would have I think it would have driven Brian crazy because the story is is it's very character forward, not story forward. You know what I mean? And and it's kind of got this love boat of mm. characters. Yes, you know, it does. Yeah, the, that's a good it's, description. It's kind, it's kind yeah. of. But it's the same thing of Nine Perfect Strangers that is on Hulu that I'm watching. It's like this love boat dream cast of characters who are in each other's orbit. And all of those characters are so broadly drawn. They are just like character forward. But the story is just not supporting the, the alchemy. So anyway, that's that's where I'm at that. But you can watch Nine Perfect Strangers on Hulu. But the one thing I will say that Nine Perfect Strangers has Nicole Kidman as I love her. I love a crazy ass Nicole Kidman who is like putting on a character. I don't like her as much when she's just kind of being very natural and a normal woman. I like her when she's just pushing the envelope on whatever it is, the accent. You mean like or, Days of Thunder? You know, the appearance. Like what? Days of Thunder. Oh, I never, oh, I never saw that. <laughs> but what was, oh, what's the other one? Joaquin Phoenix is in it, Matt Dillon, Dan Hedaya. Come on, guys. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, die, to Die For. Was it To Die For? Yes, To Die For, where her character is very vividly drawn. I haven't seen that since the first time. That might be worth a rewatch. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. What else? Anybody anybody else watching? Anything else you want to recommend that is just really lighting you up besides The Bachelor in Paradise? Sorry. Girl has to have her. <laughs> I don't know if you you get it over, if it's available over there. I think you'd get it. Uh, it's a great, uh, I'm rewatching an older series, an Australian series called Utopia. Now it it is a it's a piss take of the bureaucracy inside of a fictional government department which works on major projects. So it's got elements of political overlay and all the characters that you'd find in a large organisation with upper management, middle management and worker bees and so on. And it just takes the piss out of it so accurately. It's not funny. In fact, it is funny. It's done by a local production team here called Working Dog who have just cranked out some of the best television in Australian history ever. They were also the team that made the movie The Castle, or The Castle, if you will, noted for that it is, it's an iconic Australian movie. People quote lines from that all the time. And it was notable because it was Eric Banner's first breakout serious role. So that was uh, that was good. 
yeah, so I've been loving that. So I don't know if you can find it over there, but if you can, Utopia, uh, check it out. Well, I'm so happy, Sexy Beast, that you're telling me what you're on about. I'm so happy to get your recs. And it's my recommendation, folks, listeners out there, that if you're going to cut the cord, I really suggest cut it and then just start with Hulu because there are some great things that you can catch up on. And then there's great things that are dropping right now. I and mean, even some other things we didn't really mention yet, but The Great with Al Fanning and Nicholas Holt. Shout out to uh, my old buddy, John Brawley, a Melbourne boy that I uh, used to hire to shoot corporate videos for me, was the DOP on The Great. So he's living over in the US now. Hey, John, we'll have to get you on one day and uh, have a chat to him because he's been shooting some really top stuff over there there nice devs with the wonderful devs is amazing yeah yeah Devs is like one of my very favorite there's also high fidelity and then this um series called normal people woo sexy oh my gosh sexy sad that's the way i like it yeah there's just so much great content on there oh i forgot to mention that i'm also watching american crime story impeachment i think the best reason to watch it actors out there if you can just watch sarah paulson's portrayal of linda tripp and anna lee ashford's portrayal of paula jones these are two women in history you mostly know through saturday night live skits and stuff but i think their work is really deep really interesting the pov on that series of those two women i think is just really well done i don't really i'm not caring too much about the Lewinsky and clinton of it all i mean I, i love monica Lewinsky. i have a lot of respect for her and i just prefer to see her in the different documentaries that she's done but uh, just to watch Sarah Paulson, how she deals with Linda Tripp's body, because she was a much bigger lady then, and how she kind of trudges along and, and how they capture the the whispery, carpeted halls of the West Wing contrasted with the Pentagon, which is so cold and shellacked. And it's just a really interesting you just get a really interesting perspective on the world. So uh, I have to I, say, like Sarah Paulson is a real force of nature, and and I would not have predicted this after watching uh, Studio sixty on the Sunset Strip, which is what I first saw her in. If you had told Jack me back then, I think she, yeah, seeing that series, I mean, it was a Sorkin series. She did a fine job, but she has become mm-hmm. so much more just a force of nature in in what she chooses. The characterizations, like all, I mean, it's just, I think she's really courageous in terms of the choices that she makes. And well, I, Ryan Murphy has has just lit the fire under her, well, her career, but also to give her these characters like Marsha Clark. That's and, the thing that, I, I, that I'll say. I'm not the biggest fan of Ryan Murphy necessarily, but the thing that I love about him is that it seems like he has this kind of repertory company of actors that yeah, he, this kind of stable it. of actors yeah. that he knows how to work with and how he works best with and continues to keep them in the fold. And I, I just love that. I, I love it's it when wonderful. people do that. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Okay. Anything else, Dino? Anything you want to sign off with? Yes, I do, Lisa. I would just like to take this opportunity to wish the two of you a very happy 50th episode of our pod today. <gasps> oh. Wow. How about that, huh? Yeah, the big five zero. Oh, it's a silver anniversary, oh and they said we'd never last. 
<laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, well, this has been so much fun. Uh, I love just jumping on here and just talking about whatever is lighting my fire. It's so important to me to be able to just pick apart things. It just gives me such pleasure. I'm such a dork when I watch something and I, I my heart starts pumping and the adrenaline starts going. It's like, I have to talk about this. I have to talk about this with somebody. So it's great to have this outlet with you two sexy beasts. All right, so I guess that's it. So this is Killer Casting signing off. Killer Casting was created and produced by Lisa Zambetti. Sound editing by Dean Laffin from Real World Productions. Logo art by April Laffin. Theme music provided by Amphibious Zoo Music and Big Fat Opinions provided by Brian Allen Hill.